Hey everyone, it's Will and James here. Welcome to the Pure Sport Project. We want to jump into the minds of people we find inspiring from all walks of life. Bringing you their stories, lessons learned along the way, and future plans. So tune in for some of them wholesome yarns. Welcome back to the Pure Sport Project. This week we are joined by Nicole Chapman, a pre and post natal specialist, personal trainer, been in the industry a little while, and also 16 years in the film industry. Is that correct? Perfect. So as always, we let the guests do their introduction so we don't butcher it or say things that we shouldn't say. So the mic is yours. Feel free to introduce yourself and go on for as long as you want. Tell us everything about you. Thank you. And thank you very much for inviting me on. I'm very happy to be here. So yeah, a bit about my background is I worked in the film industry for 17 years. I do still have connections in the film industry, but I have always had that passion for fitness. And whilst I was working in the film industry, I got my qualifications in personal training. And it wasn't then until I wanted to start a family myself, I really wanted to understand what my body was going to go through. So I embarked on my pre and postnatal qualifications and I've been learning ever since. And I now have a two-year-old daughter. So I actually think I have a better understanding from a first point view now that I've got my daughter um, on the pre and postnatal journey. So that's helped me a lot. So yes, that is my intro. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you. And spoiler alert, we have more friends here today. <laughs> that laugh transcends the mic, right? We have our very own <laughs> head of PR partnerships and wellness, Lucy Gornell here with us because she herself is well-versed in the, in the world that Nicole is, and she's going to help mediate between two buffoon blokes on this mic and two wonderful, intelligent, talented women on the other one. So welcome, Lucy. Do you have a little intro for us, or have I done a really good job? I've done a good job. I mean, everything you said is true. Buffoons, intelligent women. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll try and not mess this up too much, James. Yeah, we'll try. <laughs> As, uh, as we kick things off, like it's really interesting to get uh, a viewpoint into your background. So you say the film industry. Can we get into that first and how you kind of transcended that world into personal training, what that journey looked like? Yes. So I was working in insurance um, in the city and I was bored out my brain if I'm honest I was clock watching then this is when I was like 18 19 and I just realized I am going to be doing this for the next 40 years of my life so I think I googled something like best film company in the UK it came up as working title films I called them up and said can I come and do some work experience with you they said sure I took two weeks off work went and worked for them and it's just snowballed from there they then off asked me to organize their Christmas party then they I got a runner's job and I just started off making tea on set for free that's how I started and I just worked my way up from there I was an assistant director worked my way up through those levels you go runner third second and then I became a stunt department coordinator and then that took me on a whole other journey um I got to work with some amazing stunt coordinators like Vic Armstrong who was Harrison Ford's double and he's been a second unit director on many blockbusters and he took me to America I did a bit of stunt work in America and then hit back here I was a stunt department coordinator on 
a few Star Wars movies, if I'm going to name drop, uh, a, a, a little Bond. Come on, I want to hear them all. Um, yeah, you know, just a couple that you might have heard of, that's all. So, yeah. So, you, you were actually doing the stunt? No, so I managed the stunt department. So, I to get on the stunt register here, you have to do like six disciplines and truthfully, I would have started too late. I had established, um, I was very sporty as a kid. I was water ski racing and stuff like that, but I was not, uh, I didn't do gymnastics or anything, which is naturally, or a martial art, which was done from a kid. And I think that's the best start point if you want to get into stunts. So no, I managed the department, um, which was, yeah, <laughs> I'm used to looking after, say, 50 men. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, it was great. So you'll be, it'll be easy to deal with me and James today. <laughs> Light work. <laughs> so with all these stunts, you must have seen some injuries, like some serious. I mean, the risk is there. And yes, we were on a few films where things did happen and they are 100% risking their lives i mean we rehearse and rehearse and rehearse so there's so much prep that goes in months before we even start shooting so from that point of view um you know we bring that risk value down but for some stunts some things can just be rotational in the air or you know just timing and yeah it's it's definitely they are risking their lives doing it so where did the the passion for health and fitness, because that's a big change from doing what you're doing to what you're doing now. Was it like a gradual progression into it or was it like you just went, stop that one straight into the next one and just went cold turkey? No, there was definitely a merge. I think from a mental health point of view, when you're working in the film industry, it's everyone thinks it's quite glamorous. The truth is you are doing extremely long days. My partner is still on set in the film industry. It's getting up at four in the morning. You could be getting home at 10 o'clock at night. Social plans go out the window. There's no such thing as, well, I've got a date on Tuesday night. You know, if they say, if you're supposed to wrap at six and you're going over by two hours, there's no, well, sorry, I need to go off for that. You, when you're on a movie, you kind of just keep your diary free. That means we've seen weddings, funerals. I've done it. I've literally have missed life events because you also feel like you can't say no to things. And I think that was a, a big learning curve for me, especially in my 20s. I'm a bit of a yes girl. I felt like I had to say yes to everything and wouldn't stand regret. You feel like, especially where you're self-employed, and that is what we all are as well. So you you could be six months on a movie and you think, well, I'll just take a bit of time off. And then you get off in another six-month run. That could start three days later and you say yes and that's where the burnout happens because it is such long days you're away from home a lot of the time and you live in a little film bubble I call it it's not real life it truthfully isn't real life and you almost have to adapt a little bit back into your routine because you're living in hotels 90% of the time and so I felt a bit burnt out. I felt a bit like I wasn't taking care of myself and some things needed to change. So that is when I started to prioritize my own health. And then that led me onto a little bit of passion and drive through wanting to help myself, really. To me, it seems like you've got a bit of a leap of faith mentality, like the whole thing of leaving the probably good insurance job in the city with wages that you know are going to come in and be great at some point to going to making tea on a film set where you don't really know what's happening you kind of you're just figuring out as you go along and then you obviously found the fitness part of your life where did you do you have other examples that when you were growing up where you were just kind of a yes girl like you say 
I, <laughs> well, I just generally think that there's always been a bit of a drive in me. My dad was self-employed and I sort of saw the hustle that he had, but I also, nothing's given to you. And I think that is a bit, the social media side of stuff that we grew up in now, I think I'm a bit worried for my daughter, to be honest, because I feel like everything's seen, especially with like influencers and stuff like that, that you could just be given this opportunity, just get a load of followers and that's it. You don't have to work. Yeah. Whereas the hustle has always been there. And when I say I started in the film industry, we were on really low hourly wages for about four years. And I had to get through that early stage to my 20s, not really earning much, but I was I felt like it was my university. Like if you went to university, you if you wanted to get into the film industry, you could come out with a first honours in anything, but you'd still start at the bottom. So for me, that was my, my craft and I understood and respected I need to do that. But there was a leap of faith, but I think... I, I really enjoyed it. And there was a buzz being on set. I then had this mentality where I was like, okay, I actually, um, my title was set PA and I changed it on one job. I just called myself, because I was the only set PA. So I called myself key set PA. And one of the producers came up to me and he was like, can I just ask, what is a key set PA? And I said, I'm the top of the bottom. And he went, okay, we will write that on the credits. I was like, I was like. <laughs> a coach on the back. <laughs> Just self-title ourselves. Why? Why not? I know what my job is. I just kind of do stuff. <laughs> I got a title, but I don't think it's. Well, we've got Lou, who's head of adventures. Yeah. <laughs> what even is that? Startups, right? Yeah. How fun! Did you say so you met your husband on? Yes. Well, I'm not my husband. Oh, yep. No rings. Just nice one, Lucy. Yeah, nice one, Lucy. Come on, you're supposed to be mediating. I know. We would never do that on the podcast. <laughs> never. You Jesus. The First and last down. time you're on this one. <laughs> uh, so no, my partner, yeah, we met on Star Wars. But it's funny because he was, it's really small industry. It's massive, but it's so small. And if you, there's sort of two circuits. There's the television circuit, which I started in, and then the film circuit. And most people don't overlap into the two just because of the length that the projects are on and stuff like that. And he was like, oh, yeah, I did this. And I was like, you you went on that. <laughs> you did this. No, you went on that film. And then I, having never seen him on a job before, I then got Jurassic and I'm on a job in the stunt department. I'm on a job longer because we have to train the cast. Mm -hmm. um, and then he gets that film. So then we do that film together. Then I get outlocking he gets it just by chance so suddenly we've done five films back to back together and i was like okay we should just call this a relationship now shouldn't we yeah you must get to know each other pretty well quite intense yeah and it was funny it was one of those things because you sort of blindsight yourself because it's a bit like i suppose like love island really you're just in this sort of bubble so you sort of spend people sort of they wear you down a little bit, I guess. <laughs> just sort of day one, you're like, no, there's as a single girl on set, you're like, no, there's no one on here. Day day thirty, it's like, oh, <laughs> where did this come from? I hope he's not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> he's been there and done it, definitely. So let's go to the, let's go to the transitional period between the the film set stuff and like the PT and the qualifications. When, when did that start? And as James kind of said, was it a quick thing? It wasn't. So what was that, what was that journey like for you of kind of getting out of that world and establishing yourself in, in this one? Yeah, so I think there was a lot of overlap. I was training for my qualifications while still working and there was even a setting up a business as well. You, 
my the film industry was my steady income and you know I still do budget in the film industry and, and things like that because it's it's hard to to establish yourself anyway and then to build up a client base and I wanted to make sure I was credible so I constantly was doing more and more courses but obviously courses take time and it was a full-time job and all that and just there was a lot of spinning and then when I had enough client base I then decided to step back from the film side and then build that up and then of course COVID hit and everyone had to spin on their heads and reinvent the wheel and face-to-face wasn't allowed so a lot of online businesses were born and um, truthfully that is where the power of mum was born which was it for many being a mum as well it can be lonely and I wanted to have I know what it's like I've signed up to things before where you've got to motivate yourself like an app or something you know you pay your money and it you may as well just give them cash each month because to motivate yourself to do that so I wanted something that had a bit of community a bit of support group so they get my one-to-one support throughout the program and they also get the mums together mm-hmm. and that we talk about everything sleepless nights reaching for the sugar in the morning all that stuff that actually it's it's solidarity it's we're in this together and yes you didn't get your workout in but you got two in so let's mm-hmm. celebrate that rather than the one you didn't sort of thing um so that was important to me and yeah just learning constantly and involving the business like if i i'm about to celebrate the my online business first anniversary next month Thank you, which I can't actually believe. But when I look back to how I was first doing it, it's funny because, I mean, I was filming on my iPhone, trying to learn software, editing, and it was just sort of like black either side with just the the thing in the middle. And now it's like, oh, I've managed to got a camera and a proper, you know, and I've got it on an app rather than before I was just sending email and everyone the link on Vimeo and stuff like that. So it's just how it's evolved. And I've got some people that were stuck with me for a whole year. So there must be something I'm doing right. (laughs) When you started this, did you know that you wanted to, you know, like, specifically look after mums or was it kind of like a a broad idea of health and fitness and then as you got further into it you were like no I want to specialize in this yeah I totally did not know I honestly thought I would be on a completely different path first of all I just had a passion just to work with people for myself my training has changed I used to be a bit of a cardio bunny I'd say I didn't really if I dabbled in weights shall we say I wasn't doing it properly I had that whole fear behind strength training and now I know it's a powerful tool and I'm an advocate for women's strength training and that is completely what my program's built around and you know I, I used to do Barry's if we're allowed to name mm-hmm. I was I was burning myself out I was in I was a Barry's girl after work film I was in the film industry wrapping at say nine o'clock at night then I drive for an hour into central London to then do a nine till or a wrap at eight nine till ten class six days a week because I felt like I had to and it just it's only now do I look back and go oh my gosh there was no resting built in I was I thought I was healthy <laughs> and it's only when you step back you go I was not healthy at all I was in complete burnout mode I was overwhelmed I, my anxiety was through the roof but we fall into these traps and, you know, you can think you're leading a healthy lifestyle and you're not. There's so much more to it, isn't there, so than just exercising yeah, and eating. 
Um, so it wasn't actually until I had my daughter, I was pre and postnatal qualified before, but it wasn't until I had her that I suddenly went, oh, hang on a minute. I have gone from prioritizing myself, which I was when, when I became pregnant, I was like, right now have responsibility for someone else. So let's look into this a little bit further. And you, you know, you have that responsibility whilst you're pregnant, but as soon as she was born, it was just about her and, yeah. and mum life. But also you have a lot more on the list than that. You're, you sort of, you're still working. I mean, I went back to work when Sophia was two weeks old, which is, you know, uh, it was quite quick. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't regret all that, but I put myself and it was, re I really realized that actually you do put yourself to the bottom of the pile and you will manage your uh, life admin, your partner's life admin and all of that. And then you go, oh, you feel guilty then. You've got 20 minutes spare, but you feel guilty. And it was that that made me go, do you know what? I want to help mums. Mm. And I come from a true point of understanding because I think there's more to personal training now, which I didn't understand when I first took the course. I think the course is a little bit basic, if I'm honest. It just teaches you to tick boxes, to lift correctly. There's no people management. And I think empathy is a huge part of um, personal training, I think. Was that just like your level three personal trainer course? Yeah. So I've always said this is very much like a, a driving test. It allows you to be safe, but then you don't actually learn how to drive it's only when you actually start driving that you actually become a good driver and i think start it's the same drifts in a car park <laughs> yeah it gives you the certificate basically it gives you the legality to do it and then that's it isn't it yeah and then you kind of specialize into whatever it is you want to do but it's not yeah i 100 percent agree with you like i was a personal trainer growing up and it's you spend more time kind of being like a life coach and listening to them talk about stuff that's going on in their life in between sets of doing things then you actually do probably teaching them how to lift and they never ever teach you that on a course they teach you like oh this is your bicep insertion and yeah. you know yeah. this is how to squat correctly and then you're you're good to go but then you get out into the big wide world and then people start talking to you about their relationships and i'm like i'm 18 i don't know i haven't even had a relationship yet when do you ever need to tell a client their bicep insertion they just don't care like that's the last thing on their mind yeah. and that's another thing that i for me my style of training is I don't want to be told the intricate muscles. I just tell me arm, leg, bicep, you know, <laughs> let's not go into the, uh, and you hear it, don't you? I hear, I used to hear the pitter patter of other PTs and I'd be like, oh my gosh, mm. like, let's just strip it back. Let's just, you know, and the emotional side of things. So I feel like invested in my client's life. So they walk in, I'm like, so update me. So what happened when you got back home? Like, how did that fight go? <laughs> well, yeah, we literally, we kick off with that. And then in between sets, sometimes they do need to offload. Like, I feel like there's therapists is in our title as well. And I think that needs to be talked about as well. Like, when you sign up for the role, you can have as much passion to want to grow people's biceps. Yeah. But the, the mental side of things needs to be up there. And training for your mental health is, is being brought up more and more. And I love that everyone's talking about it. I don't want it to become like a, I don't know, clickbait thing where everyone, I want it to be genuine and let people realize. Because I, you know, I grew up in very, I think we all did high beauty standards that are you're expected to look and be a certain way yes. and it's you can really sacrifice your own mental health to try and achieve that and even if you do achieve what you establish to if you don't take your mind along with you you are not going to be happy 
And, you know, I think for the future generations that you are teaching, you need to help them with um, you say you talk about doing kind of really heavy exercise and having anxiety, et cetera, before you fell pregnant. How did that change when you fell pregnant with Sophia? Like how did your exercise change before we go into breaking down kind of pre and postnatal fitness and the rules and the myths? How did that change for you? Because I guess you had to, you were forced almost to take a step back and that can almost have an impact on your mental health as well. Definitely. I think Everyone will have a different pregnancy. Some people can get um, extremely sick in pregnancy. And I think, you know, it's very important, like in any training, to not compare your journey to someone else. So it has to be, and it can be a day-to-day thing. You know, you could be full of energy one day and wiped out the next. You know, it can be a roller coaster. I was really lucky, actually. I mean, I did have acupuncture throughout, whether that, I believe that helps regulate the hormones and stuff like that. But I was very active before, so I wanted to continue a high level of activity throughout. If you've never exercised before, you don't want to be going in at extremely high, but you can move. Like there's this whole, like my mum used to go, well, you're not, you're not lifting, you're not lifting that 2kg. I wasn't <laughs> lifting a 2kg, but she, I'm like, my child's going to be more than that. Yeah. My shopping bag's more than that. Like there's a whole thing where they grew up with fear of lifting and stuff like that. It's not true. You need to monitor your heart rate. Like using the talk test is great if you can hold a conversation whilst you're working out. And it is okay for your heart rate to go up, which is important to say, as long as it is coming back down, you don't feel dizzy, you don't feel sick. But also making sure you tell the person you're training with that you are pregnant. There's a lot of unqualified advice out there and it can be if you google please don't it's such a minefield and it's scaremongering as well um so for myself i i did adapt my training bump logistics get in the way with those lifting there was a point where i was like the bar can't go now <laughs> we've got it we're dumbbells only so yeah it's more bump logistics for me and you know it's just also i changing the mindset as well because most of the time you are working out to maybe lose weight, maybe uh, build muscle and stuff like that. Your mindset needs to change. You're no longer training to lose weight. You are training to prepare your body for labor. You want to be strong and to prepare yourself for motherhood. So it's a different kind of, you can maintain your weight to a certain extent. You know, there's this whole thing about eating for two. (laughs) It's not through really and it's just about managing that but you also want to fuel your body with nutritious food because you've got a life in there you know so it's just about deciding what your own path is but getting advice along the way don't be afraid to ask for a pre and postnatal specialist because ultimately you if you cracked a tooth you'd go and see a dentist you wouldn't just ask your friend would you <laughs> do you know what i mean or google. <laughs> yeah, or google that is such a mindset change though if you've been if you've always exercised for like aesthetic reasons to suddenly change that must be really challenging and it's the hardest bit for most people yeah. body image especially in that first trimester into the second are you guys with us here do we yeah. <laughs> yeah. we're gonna get into it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you me slightly on it before but i'd like to get into it in a bigger hand because <laughs> yeah but carry on in the first trimester into the second trimester because everyone will carry their bump a different way and i can tell you in the third trimester the comments i was getting sometimes i was like why do people feel it's acceptable to comment on the bump size? Like, whoa, I saw the bump coming before you did and all that. And you're like, 
Okay. Nice. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> you got twins in there? No, just the one. You're so funny. Just the old recycled yeah. jokes. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, heard that one before. Yeah. I've heard this for the past two months. But there's that point though when you're pregnant as well. It's like, are you pregnant yes. or and are you not? And that is the biggest stage <laughs> where, because to everyone else, they might not even notice, but to you, any small changes in your body, you are tuned into. And it's like that. Anyway, and I speak to my clients all the time. I'm just going through one-to-one talks with ladies who start my program on Monday. And we have the same conversation where I say to them, you know, you will look in the mirror, I will look in the mirror, and we all always focus on that one area. And it might be your tummy or whatever. And you won't notice that you've lost weight off your face or your arms. But all that you will look at is that one area. So we have a disformed body image of ourselves and we are the worst inner critics so when you're pregnant it is like 10 times overloaded because we take bump pictures and we're just like when's it going to show and I just look fat right now you feel and obviously you don't and there's so much more going on hormones and everything that make everything just 10 times heightened so comments can be taken extra sensitive at yeah. that time and so as you're going into the second trimester as soon as you get that little bump you're like oh, yes I look pregnant now thank I'm pregnant. you yeah now I'm pregnant <laughs> Nicole can we go through the trimesters just quickly because for uh, for us here and me especially like I feel this is a great educational tool for to me- for men to know too and it's like one of those things when you're aware of things you can be more considerate to what people are going through so can we go through the terminology of trimester of what the first one is second one third Absolutely. So it's divided by weeks and it's um, gestational periods. So really you are pregnant for 40 weeks, but say you find out you're pregnant and it says you're two weeks pregnant on one of those digital kits, really you're six weeks pregnant because it goes from, if we're going to go into science now, guys, goes from your date of your last period. So suddenly you think you're two weeks pregnant and they go, no, no, you're six weeks pregnant. And suddenly you're like, what? (laughs) Okay, this is further advanced than I thought. So you, um, from that moment you find out, yeah, you basically add a month. So it's like a 10 months pregnancy. So up until week 14 is technically classed as the first trimester. Then from week 14 to 28, you're in the second trimester. And then you are full term at 37 weeks. So they say between... 37 weeks and 42, because you can go two weeks overdue, is the sort of birthing five weeks where it's any time within this time your baby can come. But obviously there are exceptions to that rule, and especially if you've got multiples that you're carrying and stuff like that. So it's vaguely divided up into into three trimesters, they call it. And is that how the training plans go? Are they based on those trimesters? Or is it totally? No. So obviously there are exceptions where some people can't do certain things because they might have certain things going on in their pregnancies that they're monitored by their GP. So as long as your midwife, and it's important to say, and GP have signed you off to exercise, then you can follow guidelines and you can work out. You can, you know, there's so many different forms as well. You can, some people will continue, you see it. They were running marathons before they continue running marathons. They did long bike rides. They continue doing long bike rides until it hinders you mm-hmm. and you don't feel safe. Like obviously there's a balance issue when you're on a bike. If you if you feel like you're going to fall off, that's not advised to do it. So it's for you to be responsible for your own safety as well. With regards to lifting, I was lifting in the gym 
two days before Sophia was born. My The day my waters broke, which was two days before she was born, I was in the gym. They didn't break in the gym, but they nearly broke in the car when I was on my way out that evening. But so, so yeah, but I, I mean, squatting in pregnancy is brilliant, you know, get squatting, get those weights. What you don't want to be doing is trying to get your one rep max when you're, when you're pregnant. Let's, let's not try for that, but you can, you can have a couple of five kgs. That's what I normally recommend. But if you were, you know, you do see it on Instagram, don't compare yourself. If someone else is doing something really extreme, ask yourself, would your body be under that much pressure? When people lift, they do, if they're not used to it, they have a tendency to hold their breath. Mm -hmm. That's not great when you're pregnant. You know, you don't want to be at a stage where you're dizzy, you're out of breath, you need to monitor your own safety. And it is good to, you know, follow something that is guided for pregnancy. But a lot of these workouts, like online workout programs where they are, it's safe for all trimesters. So I think that's what you're asking. Yes, there are, and it will be tailored. So if you're in your third trimester, you might want to just put them down, have some extra water, have a little bit more breathing time and then get back into when you can. You know, as as we've sort of said before, you're not training to lose weight, you're training to feel strong. So as long as those workouts aren't hindering your progress, yeah. if you're really have doms the next day you're overdoing it when you're pregnant you know you don't want to be having that wiped out feeling you want to be just feeling strong fit healthy um, and energized from those workouts so it is stripping it back you don't have to strip it way back i once coached a class and i had two pregnant girls in there one of them let me know she was like oh it's actually my due date today I freaked out and my eyes did not leave her for the entire session. I was like, you okay? You okay? Yeah. You okay? You still good? Yeah, you good? But because there was two in there, there was, I just stuck those two together and was like, okay, you two just look after each other. You're the pregnant corner. Yeah. And it was like, like you mentioned the bump logistics. There was a barbell and they had to do cleans. So they pulled up to their hip, went around their belly. Yeah. But they, they've been doing it the whole time they were pregnant. They were doing it before they were pregnant. They did it. I remember I remember they brought the baby into the gym afterwards and everything. So like, yeah, but I freaked out because I was like, should you even be here? Should you be doing that? Is there anything? So is there anything? I know you've mentioned that 1RMs are just like off the table. Don't do those kind of things. It's just too much. But uh, anything specific that people shouldn't be doing, such as like, obviously like sit-ups or something like that is obviously not going to be a good idea to do, but anything no else? room for that. <laughs> but it's, um, so that's the other thing. It's, there's a thing called doming. So if you're holding a plank, for example, you guys will hold a plank. There's, but if you imagine your rib cage needs to expand as that bump grows and you get ab separation. So it, as that bump grows, your rib cage is expanding out. So when you are, the muscles are weakened because they've got to stretch out. So diastasis recti is what it's called, but it's normal. Your abs need to separate during pregnancy and may not completely knit together post-pregnancy. So when you are holding a plank position when you're pregnant or anything where you just have your weight bearing down, you might notice a doming effect, which is basically where everything's pushed out. If you're feeling that pressure, then that is a sign that to regress that move or change it completely. So I wouldn't have my ladies in the first trimester, you could be doing walkouts to plank. That's fine. You're only holding the plank for, and even in the second trimester and even into the third trimester, it's about you know, not getting that abdominal pressure. So um, I would, side planks are brilliant. So it's just about, 
adaptations really things don't need to change dramatically I wouldn't have sit-ups or crunches they're all out but you can work those obliques that's brilliant you want to make your back strong so you know rows and all that is brilliant squats you you know you want to make um your glutes strong for labor and from beyond so actually just making adaptations to things is what is beneficial and what about your pelvic floor? Should you be focusing on that throughout your entire pregnancy? To be honest, you should be focusing on that as a woman in life. In life. But Can we talk about pelvic floor? Like I'm, <laughs> I've heard about it and I kind of understand what it is, but for people that maybe don't know what it is at all. we have a squeeze? <laughs> like now, you can do it when you're sat down. It's actually good, especially because mm. you get feedback. So basically think of it as like a hammock holding of muscles holding your organs together so it runs right from the front to the back so bow oh you guys with me <laughs> look at the eyes are widening slightly exactly so um Everyone has a pelvic floor and it's, you can overtrain your pelvic floor. I think I was a bit guilty of that in my pregnancy. You can overtrain it because you, you think about tensing it, but actually you need to be able to relax it as well. So you, you, I reckon if you're sitting there, I reckon you'll sit at a desk quite a bit. You won't realize you're holding tension in your upper abs. So you're squeezing them or your glutes and you can't, if you are squeezing your glutes, you can't squeeze your yeah, pelvic it's floor. Really hard, isn't it? you so you end up holding too much tension in your abdominals. So for example, if you have a it, most common if you have intervention is you so weaknesses in your pelvic floor postpartum. So I'm sure you've heard of there's potential incontinence issues. A lot of ladies you might see who have had a baby, they go to sneeze or cough and they <laughs> They brace themselves mm. or they cross their legs. And, you know, it is important to say things can be done. You, that's not acceptable to live with. No. You know, you should be able to, you know, and non-pregnant people can suffer from this as well. And um, so from the, to answer your question, yes, you should from the start. But it is boring. And that's where a lot of people forget to do it. So with clients, I always say establish a routine like, whether you're brushing your teeth, if you're in a car and you've got a journey, mm -hmm. do it along the way every time you stop at a traffic light as a reminder or just set reminders in your phone, just do it. You don't need to do it a lot, three times a day, you know, 10 times, um, but practice longer squeezes for like three seconds, building it up to 10. And then when you're closer towards the end of your pregnancy, you want to learn to do the opposite. So relax as well. Right. So it's about connecting core work becomes different in the later in the third trimester because you want to use your breath and that will help you in labor as well so when you breathe in you want to relax and when you exhale you want to engage so it's say you were on all fours and you had your bump there when you breathe in you always think tense but you don't you relax so you allow the breath to bring that bump all the way down then as you breathe out you bring the baby up into you and it's almost like hugging your abdominals mm -hmm. so and that's where you learn to connect the pelvic floor on the exhale so it's there's a that's why yeah, it's great to seek it. especially in exercise it's great to seek a pre and postnatal specialist because that side of stuff 
probably with isn't taught in the level three personal training course. You're no. still trying to get them to do cleans, Jane. <laughs> you're still over, over doing bar, which against goes against gravity, really, because you're then you're not oh, streamlining the bar, the bar it. That's really all over the place. Hard. Yeah, I was like, that's not technically good, but okay. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people listening that don't know a pelvic squeeze are thinking, how do I do one? Because I want to try and do it right now. Those mm. that do know have probably been doing it this whole time. So is there an, is there an easy way you can talk through? And yes. Go to hold your Wii and then go to hold in a pop, should we say? <laughs> what was the technical word? That's fine. You can, yeah. say, you can say whatever you like. Pop, pop, whatever, yeah. So go to hold in your wee, so you squeeze as if you're going to stop your wee mid-flow. That is engaging your pelvic floor. But try not to hold your breath while you're doing it, so relax while you're doing it. So breathe in, squeeze. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, and then let it go. So that is engaging. A lot of people, so there's this whole thing when you're exercising, you know, you're here on you work out videos and it's just everybody trying to give a reminder to do it. But you might not. Trying to, in a, in a squat, trying to engage that pelvic floor is tough. Even if you know your pelvic floor really, really well, you're not expected to to get that engagement and it can be really tough. So give yourself a little break. You know, it doesn't matter genuinely if you're not as long as you are trying to make that connection that will really help you and you just want to build strength and to continue it postpartum as well is what is really going to help you because imagine that weight on of the baby growing plus the water plus the placenta plus everything else that pressure on that pelvic floor is going to make it weak for everybody when you have that baby, that first toilet is, is the fear is real. I'm not going to lie to you guys. The fear is real. <laughs> and then as the weeks go on, you can start working your pelvic floor pretty soon after, which no one realizes as well. Just you've got to reform that connection with your pelvic floor, with your core, core restoration. You know, especially if you've had a C-section, you're basically have been cut all the way through. So, you know, understanding your birth and your experience unique is important and that anything can be done you know if you i would always say the six week sign off for a gp is an absolute joke it's basically you walk in they go you're right yeah do you, do you want a condom should we talk about contraception cool sweet yeah okay great your baby okay good the, great on the baby side of stuff but that you is a thumbs up there's no talk about what happened there's nothing like that so if funds allow i would recommend getting a mummy mot a women's health physio to examine you because it is only until that happens sometimes that you realize you may have a prolapse or wow. you know pelvic organ has literally prolapsed which if you've had intervention in a, um, your birth which you know I did the hypnobirthing and all that I was as I said I was working out until two days before Sophia Sophia was born and I thought I would be powering in that labor and then you know my waters broke and nothing happened no contractions happened I wasn't prepared to not be tackling labor head-on you know I wanted to be there walking around grafting like I was and I was chained to the bed and mentally that impact on me I did the NCT courses which is learn to be a parent course where they prepare you mentally 
but they always talk about that because they want to empower you. That dream birth scenario, I'll tell you, we had six people on that course. All of them ended up with intervention, like as in forceps, in theatre, C-section, or um, just everybody ended up in that. Not one person had a natural birth. And that's I think, is important to mentally prepare yourself that you may not get that dream birth and that's okay as long as the baby arrives there safely but birth trauma is a real thing and you can feel like your body's failed you it hasn't failed you there's so much more to it going on but yeah I was a little bit like I felt I don't know powerless because I couldn't do anything I was literally they even said could you uh, hold the drip for us I was like what I've got other stuff going on here but I was like not only am I chained to the bed and not allowed to move yeah so um prepare yourself for all of that I'm gonna say can you explain exactly what a contraction feels like coming from someone who hasn't ever had one no Oh. <laughs> I've used one of those because someone said it was like do you remember those um well they still exist those ab belts and you put them on it's meant to give you abs I remember trialing one once and you walk around the house and every every couple of minutes you're like oh my god you're keeled over it's like it's literally clenching your core but I can imagine it feels worse than that because I could still carry on my daily life yeah, yeah so sorry sometimes so that it will start off really mild and it'll just be like almost like a little stitch a little period cramp and sometimes then it gets to like a real bad period cramp and everyone like there is don't listen to other people's stories so prior because there'll be that one woman who goes yeah so I just breathed out my baby and you know it she just came out in like five minutes and you're like "Uh uh-huh 17 hours I was there and then they went yes you're 0.5 centimeters dilated I wanted to I was like what For the guys, do you want to explain what the dilated is? So for the baby to come out, you need to be 10 centimetres. So 0.5 centimetres after 17 hours of contractions. I was not very happy. My my sister went through it probably three years ago and I was oblivious to anything before it. And then she kind of just like walked me through the whole pregnancy. So I have a little bit of knowledge. Lucy's being like, these guys don't know anything. I'm the the oblivious side. So I'm generally getting a lot of good things. One thing that I I found ridiculous, what you said was the the GP six week checkup. Because if you think, because from my point of view, there's billions of people in the world and there's, well tens of millions in the uk so how many babies are being born and then that's the process afterwards for checking in on someone a woman that's just been through i mean this is the uk i don't know about the rest of the world um but the rest of the world normally have to pay for private healthcare. this is the nhs which i do understand is extremely stretched but it's not okay it's like uh, it sounds mid- like a given to me that you should get checked over afterwards. But you, so you get your midwife come and see you on day three, between day two or three. So the midwife will come to your house. Uh, COVID may have changed that. I, Sophia was born six months before COVID. So I had the midwife come to my house and no things really got stripped back, understandably, in COVID. But the midwife as well, they're very, some of them are brilliant and some of them are very old school. I got checked um, and you know, there's a lot we you, people don't know is going to happen. There's a lot of bruising can happen, hemorrhoids, the sexy stuff, you know. Yeah. So it's no wonder you can have a real disconnection from your body post having this baby because not only that, your 
so, so this is a, a guy example of not understanding anything. Our gas man came the day after Sophia was born and I answered the door and he went, oh, so you haven't had your baby yet then? And I was like, I wanted to just, I was not emotionally ready for that no. comment because you still look pregnant once yeah. you've had the baby. So there was all that comments on Kate Middleton when she stood on the step and she still had the baby oh, bump yeah. when she just, your uterus literally needs to contract back. It doesn't just go, <laughs> you, you I'd assume that. But. Yeah, <laughs> you just, you, like a balloon deflating. Yeah. You just think, oh, okay. But it's not like that. And, you know, it can take weeks before the uterus even contracts back. So you could be presented with a bump for, you know six weeks for example and there's a lot of swelling as well especially if you've had surgery and I think my midwife probably too much information guys the midwife literally examined me on because I needed uh, I had an episiotomy so I needed stitches and forcep intervention and she went oh no wonder you're a bit sore you look like you've been hit by a bus down there no one needs to hear that <laughs> genuinely no one needs Whoa. to hear and as if she's seen what it's like to be hit by a bus down there before. <laughs> <laughs> how often does that happen so yeah there was a lot going on that i wasn't mentally prepared for and i think more needs to be talked about that postpartum period for it to be normalized yeah. that it's okay to have a disconnection with your body. It's normal. Let's abolish that term bounce back. What you're trying to say and showing no signs of ever having a baby is basically what you're trying to say with bounce back. Let's all pretend there's no sign of ever having a child. Your body has changed forever, but that doesn't mean that you can't be as strong or as fit as you were pre-pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Let's say that, but let's go for a long-term change rather than trying to get that back. Yeah, exactly. I don't think the media helps with all the bounce back bodies. Celebrities have a baby and the next day they just look better than they did before they had the baby. And if they don't, it's then that scrutinized. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, it's it's, yeah, the media. I think it's starting to be a little bit more spoken about. I mean, there was an ex Towie lady recently had a baby and she posted her body afterwards and it completely resonated with so many women because she was like, look, this is me six weeks later and I'm still, it's, I look pregnant. And she just spoke really candidly about how she actually wasn't very happy with what she looked like. But at the end of the day, she's got a beautiful baby and you know, you've got to make priorities, I guess. You can't just go slam the gym and get back to your old self that quickly anyway. Definitely. And there's the emotional impact as well, you know, and it is really, really hard. And, you know, you do feel this disconnection, you're sleep deprived, which affects everything anyway. You, your natural instinct may be to reach for sugar. So prepare for all this prior like if you're breastfeeding as well you need to be extra hydrated but have those snacks that you know you like and that's important have snacks you like but like I'd have bounce balls hidden all around so if I was trapped on the sofa with feeding Sophia I knew that I had something which was semi-nutritious yeah. available to me to eat or a naked bar or something that was an easy go-to meal prep in advance so if you can in whilst you're pregnant get a load of stuff in the freezer if you want to know the best thing to get a new mother is food nutritious food <laughs> like cook for them yeah. and send, send them some food is the best gift you can ever give them. <laughs> i like eating so nice. you are not having a baby that i know so. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely when it comes to postnatal fitness what was your road back into 
exercise. So important to say, I think we've touched on it, but um, you do need that GP sign off. And if you can, the mummy MOT to really know what's going on. But so that's that thing of six weeks, you are ready now to start. But that doesn't mean you should just jump straight back into your hip class. Like I say, you may think you are healed on the outside, but on the inside, those organs literally shifted around rearrange themselves to grow this human and they're still healing you know all that is still healing there's a lot going on inside that you can't see so you need to build yourself up slowly you know you haven't trained fully for potentially 10 months so you need to remember that you know you can't just just jump jump straight back into it i wouldn't hit with the high impact exercises which i do see a lot of people doing and then they get a mummy MOT and they realize they've got a prolapse. And that has caused by the weakness in that pelvic floor, the pressure from jumping has just, there was something going on there that they didn't know about. And that's the reason why I say about mummy MOT. And um, start with breath work, core restorative, slow movements to reconnect and build up that pelvic floor. That's the vital thing postpartum to work on is your pelvic floor then to just slowly listen to your body as well. If you've had a C-section, it might not be till 12 weeks that you're ready. I wouldn't start running or lifting weights. Like I don't let anybody start my program until they're at least 12 weeks because you need that recovery time. You need that before you start. And again, with your weights, I'm still not at my two, I'm two years, but I haven't been focusing on that one rep max because let's face it, I've got 30 minutes. I want to get a good workout in. I don't want to just necessarily be doing that. So I haven't tested myself fully. I am strong and fit as I was then, but I haven't tested my lifting capacity, but it still takes a while to build that up again. You think you've got the muscle memory there, but I'm not hitting those big lifts that I was pre-pregnancy you can but you need to build it up so don't have you need to basically drop the ego I've just signed up for a half marathon which will be my first test on running distance it's in October it's next month actually congrats (laughs) where is it it's the Royal Parks half so it's a really nice one but I did the London marathon in 2015 a time that I was proud of but I need to drop that ego to enjoy this yeah. because if I'm constantly comparing each run and those times, I'm not going to enjoy it. I just want to enjoy getting to the distance and, you know, challenge myself and then building that up. Mm-hmm. But if you constantly compare yourself to pre-pregnancy, you're never going to be good enough. And that's the important thing I always say to my clients is celebrate those wins, create postpartum PBs and be proud of them. Mm-hmm. That's great. <laughs> what about for those new mums who like really want to get back? You know, they've got like itchy feet. They're desperate to get back, but obviously maybe they've been told that they can't or they should wait longer. What kind of movement would you recommend just so they can feel like they're moving or doing something? Number one, as boring as it may sound, is walking. Fresh air, mm-hmm. even in those early days, as soon as, I mean, you may not be on your feet for a bit and depending on your birth and those first walks feel like, it takes an hour just to walk 10 yards. Okay. Yeah, honestly, I, I underestimated the recovery time. And day two, I went to a cafe and it was just walking from the car. And even just sitting down too long can be really uncomfortable. And it, I was just, I thought, yeah, let's all pretend I'm all fine. Let's let's all go out to eat. And it was just, I, just lower your expectations mm-hmm. those first days, weeks even. Um, 
And if you feel like you want to do something, you there's some great, like Pilates is great because you want something that's low impact that is all restore your core work, which is the groundwork, you know, some, you know, dead bug movements, really just isolating those moves. It's slower paced. If you're a hit girl, you're going to find it potentially frustrating. And I completely understand why people want to just feel like themselves and get back into that sweat, but just go for the long-term health goal. And if you, if, if you want to be stronger, you need to do that foundation work. Mm. So if you want to be hitting those one rep maxes, maybe six months postpartum, then you need to do that two months groundwork. And as boring as it may be, it will make you stronger in the long run. Can we talk about hormones? Because yeah. it was something that when I used to train women, I didn't know about the, obviously I didn't know about the menstrual cycle, but how the hormones fluctuate during the month and how you're supposed to adapt your training and things like that to it. It was only recently that I've actually discovered this and I'm guessing it's probably even more exaggerated during different trimesters and afterwards as well, how your hormones have changed and the things that you should be doing to kind of, you know, adapt to your training, yeah, work with or whatever you need to do to kind of, you know, make the most of your training. Yeah. So, I talk about this as well. I think we've had a couple of conversations about our menstrual cycle, and oh, you know, <laughs> it's and it's funny because even though if you're regular, you'll get it every month, it still comes as a surprise. I don't know why, <laughs> after 23 years, I don't know the signs myself sometimes. So it can why be, am <laughs> why am I hating people? Why am I hating myself? And you know, you can be angry, you can, your body can be. Well, mine does. I blow. I'm a bloater. And if you, this is just going off topic. If you're not pregnant, just for a second, that um, and also past postpartum as well. When you've got that cycle back, you can. It can derail your progress if you don't understand. Say you've been following a plan, you've been eating well, and you are expecting to see some results. You're trying to lose weight. Suddenly that bloatedness comes and you don't associate it with your period and you think well what's the point of doing this mm. I am not getting any results yeah. and it's to recognize that and then suddenly period happens you feel light and you're like oh, I am shut up for this yeah this feels good it's it's amazing how we have them every month yet we don't associate we yeah. don't remember the signs and we it can derail your progress because you think I may as well just eat what I want then and da da da, da. and also we're conditioned a little bit to have this relationship with our period where it's that time of the month, let's eat everything in sight. And if you don't need to, let's not. Like, you know, if you want to crave some sugar and you want that and that really helps you do that, be in tune with you, but don't be in tune with what society says about a period. You know, not everyone has to be a moody cow when they're on their period. Not everybody does. And um, so with regards to in pregnancy, there's so many more hormones. So basically crank it up so some comments from guys might might be taken the wrong way even if you're just saying hi darling you might get snapped <laughs> hi darling how are you you look beautiful what yeah. are you are you are you saying that i don't look be no i just said you look beautiful no, no, no. you'll pick on anything right would you like something to eat why are you saying i need food right. you know are you, are you not full yet yeah. <laughs> that's that's actually like a, a perfect road to a question I had uh, just in general like how can the the men or the partners in your life support you during this whole period of postnatal 
uh, prenatal, postnatal in your training as well? Because I, I feel from some points of view, like a, a, a male might look at it and be protective and be like, no, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be doing that. W- what advice can you give for men in the person's life around them during the whole pregnancy and training? Okay, so the biggest advice I will give you is you can never win. So <laughs> that's a really good start. <laughs> Just give up now. <laughs> okay, that concludes that concludes the podcast. Goodbye. My partner was like that. He was very protective, and even though I was a personal trainer and would have just been in the gym, he, he we'd then be on a bus, and I'd be like, "Well, I'll just stand. No, you need to sit. No, no, no. There's there's an older lady there. Let her. No, but you should sit down. So you'll be trying to do your best, and we'll be going against it. Probably is what will generally happen. But be supportive in in the fact that if they want to move, so just going out for a nice long walk. If they want to exercise, right? Let's find a good exercise class that is is suitable for you. Let's find someone who understands pre and postnatal. Let's keep your fitness going because actually, I want you to be fit and healthy and strong. If you recognize that they are struggling with the weight gain, um, which isn't fat, it is a baby ways. Mm. It is water. It is extra blood. Yes, you create extra blood. Can you believe that? Like everything else is adding into it, but their mind is not going to rationalize that. So if you see that they're cutting out too much food you need some healthy fats in there you need to make sure their nutrition's on point is to support them in that like support them if they're eating too much and not eating the right things but you can do it in a clever way you don't need to be like darling you just eat in this i'm pregnant i'm craving these carbs that's your third carbonara today like, relax seven o'clock in the morning um so it's just you looking from afar, seeing what's going on, and then suggesting, oh, do you know what I'm really fancying tonight? You've got to be clever. You've got to be smart about this. Should we just, why don't I just knock you up this ni- nice thing? We can both have it, sort of thing. In, uh, join them in all that and just. Surprise, it's date night. Yeah. <laughs> We've got salad. <laughs> You know, I'm not very good at cooking, so this is my best thing. <laughs> this looks very much like M&S. <laughs> James, I believe you have some myths. These oh, are important. Yeah. Yeah. I've been looking forward. To, I realize I could be in this conversation probably for the rest of the day. Because it's, it's, it's all new to me, but I'm getting so much from it. So I'm really grateful. But James has some really good myths too. That we, I think are going to be like... the eat for two myths. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of them we've already, we've already covered. But one of them was the eating for two because <laughs> I rang up my friend and he was like, yeah, I've been eating for two. And I was like, but you're the bloke. Like, <laughs> you... I know you've gained some weight, but like he was like, yeah, but she's pregnant. So I've been eating with her and eating for two. And I was like, you've got no excuse. But he explained it to me once and he was like, well, actually the only additional calories that a pregnant woman needs is roughly a tablespoon of olive oil equivalent of calories. Is that true or is that false? I always say about 200 calories. Now, calories is very hard because 200 calories could be two Kit Kats and 200 calories could be two bananas. Do you know what I mean? Like calories, I don't really, I mean, I have actually knocked calorie counting on the head and I just don't like that whole, from someone who has done transformations, who has counted calories and all that, I really don't like it. But you do need a little bit extra, but you don't need what you're Mm -hmm. thinking. And, you know, I never had a craving 
believe it or not. Actually, I had apple tizer for about four weeks. I just really fancied apple tizer. So no pickles? No, nothing. And I was a little bit disappointed. Yeah, vintage, right? I love it. I I hope I get cravings for like, you know, apples and good good stuff. (laughs) You might. People get, do you know what, I don't know if you've heard this. So there's some weird stuff like people want to chew on sponges and stuff. It's called, yeah, it's called. I've heard this. Or is it like bricks or paper and stuff like that? So there's, if you suddenly come home one night and your missus is chewing on a sponge, it's 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 actually a a a thing. Imagine how horrified you'd be because there's one of those. There's one of those. No, there's one of the. Yeah, there's one of those strange fears where people have fears of uh, holes really and tiny stuff. Yeah, imagine if you came home, <laughs> you've got that fear, and she's got sponges everywhere in her mouth. I hate the feel of sponge. I know. James's <laughs> face when you said sponge was like, Whoa. yeah. Even these microphones have got sponge, and I can't touch it. I have to hold. It. What? What? Just jumping on the um, eating for two. What about when you're breastfeeding? Because so, you need a lot more then, don't so you? I was just about to- yes, you do. So I was just a but not quite as much as you think either. Ah, So I was just about to say with the whole eating for two thing as well, you could be craving really sugary stuff and high fat stuff. And you could be, it's not a a size thing, but gestational diabetes is a thing. Mm -hmm. So you could suddenly discover that you have that because of your nutrition. So it is really advisable just to read up on things and try and get making sure you're getting the right minerals and vitamins to support and um, nourish your pregnancy and then going on to breastfeeding yes you do need extra calories but it's also important to stay hydrated because you want to keep that that milk supply going so you know it's it's you need extra water um and just to stay hydrated so also knowing the season you're in if it's summer you need extra more all that stuff which we can actually when we're looking after a newborn we hold our pee for hours we forget to drink and all that so it that's where the partners can actually be extra supportive and bring to the sofa water food and all that because you can like this is the other thing about breastfeeding is I it for me I was stuck Sophia was it was not a natural thing it's supposed to be the most natural thing in the world I thought oh great pop her on that's it it was hell for me like genuinely hell and I tried absolutely everything I saw breastfeeding counselors and everything and the latch just wasn't there she would cluster we'd be there for two hours and she'd still be hungry now I'm not sure many guys would have the patience to be there for two hours so being supportive in that you know because every guy just wants to be like oh yeah you know breast is uh best and you know, fed is best and let's hold that debate. But ultimately it's got to be unique to what you're, all I wanted actually was, and we spoke about this since, is for someone to say to me, it's okay to stop. But a lot of the health visitors and and midwife keep trying because they want to support you with that latch. And it's all about, I was crying. It was painful. I had mastitis and all that. I was physically crying. There was bleeding nipples at every single feed. And it was mentally, I was worn down like I would burst out crying that's not okay so if you're recognizing that go darling we there's other ways we can bottle fit you know and all that and it can come from you because actually they feel like they're letting you down if they're not breastfeeding so there's that mental side of things can be really challenging in those early weeks and what about the colostrum yeah well done yeah so there's a thing called harvesting which basically means like 
believe it or not, your milk supply comes in really early when you're pregnant. And there's a lot of thing about you can call you can harvest this so the first sort of two days um mm. before your milk supply comes in there's this really thick nutritious uh it's called colostrum um milk basically it's like the pre-milk which people start squeezing out <laughs> like four weeks before the baby's due yeah and they they freeze it and all that that's for some people it's yeah. not for others and it can be you know you may never need it or if your baby is in ICU for example they can then feed that through a tube and stuff like that so there is all sorts of variations I didn't do it personally it, there was a lot on my plate anyway and I just it was just a step too far for me I'm in between mother nature hippie and not at all yeah, yeah. so I could all have that sort of like midline where some things are just a little bit too it is no it is but people can harvest that prior and so start put in the freezer and that is what is ready for the baby straight yeah exactly but you your milk supply you kind of have to wait for it to come in so like it could be day two day three sometimes and suddenly bam it's there and then that pressure for there is you know when it's coming it's suddenly you're like your boobs are full they ache they hurt and then you know it can be if the baby isn't uh, latching properly you then get engorged and you've got to express oh it's do you know what it's a yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. James, any other quick fire myths? We actually covered all of them. Really? I had a list here. Wow. It was about the the ab split and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Different types of things to do in different trimesters. We've actually covered everything I had on my list without even having a quick that, fire round. Look at that myth, myth busted. What about with your fitness and Sophia? How are you? How are you working out with Sophia around? You know, she's a little human and she doesn't probably doesn't really know what, yeah. mummy, what's this squat? Do you know no, what? No, it's no. funny because I have changed each, as she's got older, I've changed my viewpoint on this. And I'll be honest, I until I was going through it. So when she was really young and couldn't move, yeah. so much easier, genuinely, because now she's a toddler and I do, I am actually starting it again next week, but I did live workouts. So if you've got five minutes, just watch it because it's, hilarious yeah because she's she's just doing her own thing in there and she's mm. so used to me working out now but if I want to get a good session in I don't want her there is the mm. truth now that she's running around because I can focus on what I'm doing I don't want to think is she is she in danger right there and she will seek out every single element of danger like okay, she managed okay. to turn the treadmill on mid, mid live and suddenly she shoot she she gets on her bike she rides out if i'm in a, if i'm stretching so in a downward dog she thinks that's a tunnel she wants to climb on top of me when i'm doing bicycle crunches there's all that going on because but the proudest moment I had in one of the lives was I was doing a wall sit and she came and did one by the side of me oh, and she can't cool. speak wow. yet you know and I was like they do they learn more from what you're doing than what you tell them to do so I want to show her a good example and I want to be strong and promote healthy lifestyle for her so I think it will be installed in her me working out and stuff but you can do stuff with the babies there. And that's what I also want to say is prioritizing you time is so important, like for your mind more than anything. But if you really can't get away, like I regularly post videos and I look back on them and I didn't consciously, I was filming stuff obviously for content at the time potentially, but I was also using it as my only form. So 
kids just love you jumping around and moving around in front of them. So if you're, if you want to do, you know, some squats in front of them, they don't know that's a squat. They're a baby, but you're getting that workout in. If they're on the mat and in front of you, you could be doing, um, Superman, so reaching out arm and leg at the same time, getting that glute squeezing, mm. working all that whilst they're on the mat and you're still interacting with them. Mm. There is stuff you can be doing if you want to get that movement in or, or there's always going to be an endless list of chores. So when that first nap happens, have your gym kit already on and that is your time. That first nap is your time because we have a thing where they go on that first nap and you think, right, I'm going to do the chores. Well, do you know what? You'll do all those bottles and all that, and it will all still be there. If you just set one nap, even if it's just 10 or 20 minutes, build it up slowly, make that time for you. That's your time. And as they get older, you know, we don't prioritize ourselves. If you're really struggling, set it in your diary as a meeting, a meeting that is non-negotiable. That's my workout time. If it's when you get in home from work, if you're a working mum, do it when you, you come home and um, don't sit down. If you sit down on the sofa, it's game over, then it's isn't game it? over. Night, night. <laughs> Literally. Biscuit you're like, open. Thank you're you like, ah. <laughs> And then you end up scrolling on Instagram and like life happens. I think it happens to the best of us, right? <laughs> but Nicole, it's been truly eye-opening for me and hugely valuable exercise you coming and talking with us today. So we're super grateful at Pure Sport to have you here. Is there any way people that are listening today can find you, can find your programs, all that kind of things? Where's the best place to find you? So Instagram, uh, at I am Nicole Chapman, and also my website, the Power of Mum program, if you are wanting that support and motivation to get back into fitness, I'm there to support you all the way. Well, we're very much champions of the whole wellness cycle. So that is a big part of it. It's not just giving someone a workout to do or giving someone one supplement to take. It's all about trying to give them as much goodness as they can for the whole process. So Nicole, you've been amazing. Thank you, Thank you so, so much. much for having me. I've Actually, it's been a really nice conversation to have because we don't speak about this sort of stuff enough and men don't actually understand the insight behind it. So yeah, no, it's been brilliant. Thank you. Yo, thank you, Pure Sport fan, for tuning in. As a valued listener, we'd like to offer you a 20% discount code site-wide on puresportcbd.com. Use the code PROJECT20 to level up your life. If you like this podcast, like, subscribe, and share with your friends. And remember, no stress, stay blessed, and we'll catch you next time.